What is going on, guys? It is Cody Wynn. This is the Faith Growth Podcast. And before I even introduce my boy Matthew, if you could just hold your high horses for a second and smash that stinking subscribe button, that would be so sweet. I would be so happy with you. And it will help with the podcast algorithm. So I don't know why you're still listening before you've smashed it. So just just smash the podcast button or the, the subscribe button. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, I'm done being dumb. Uh, this is my buddy Matthew as my co-host. What's up, Matthew? That's uh, Mr. Co-host, sir. Uh, oh, Mr. Co-host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. You like how I ask him what's up every time like I don't know what he's doing? He's sitting right next to me. <laughs> um, so today's topic, uh, we are still on our series of demonic church teachings. If you're joining us for the first time, I don't think that there's demons in churches crawling around on their hands and knees. Which is deceiving people by whispering weird nothings into their ear. When I say demonic teachings, I mean teachings that are not from God. Teachings that are not found in the scriptures. So, um, again, I want to preface with saying I'm not bashing any individuals or any denominations. I am just speaking uh, clarity to scriptures that are confused by people or concepts that are confused by people in the church or pagan beliefs that have crept into the church that I am just explaining what scripture says about them. Contextually. Yeah, contextually. So much love for everybody. I just want to see you guys live up to the expectation that Christ has called you to. And again, I'm not arguing semantics with any of these things. I am explaining what these things mean in their true context so that your life that you live looks more like Christ. Scripture says, It is not hearers of the word that are justified, but doers of the word are those who are justified. So with that said, um, there's just my point with all of this is just to say that there are difference in beliefs that people can have, and that's totally fine. It doesn't change the way that we actually live, and we all agree on Christ and Him crucified. The points that we are bringing up in this series are all going to be salvation issues. These are going to be things that seriously keep people from Jesus for life. That's the only things we're going to be talking about in this series, so stick with us. Again, I understand that I'm going to be bringing up a lot of topics and points and beliefs that you may have not ever heard. I ask that you don't just say, screw you, Cody, because you've never heard them before, but you honestly take them before the Lord and before the Bible that you have, and you weigh out what I say in comparison to scripture. I was totally blown away. I don't really ever look at my analytics on social media because it's I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it so that I can get a lot of people to say, wow, Cody, you're really cool and really popular. But I was really curious on Instagram how many followers I was getting on a day on average because I wanted to run kind of a, a split test. I'm a... I do marketing for a living, so it was just one of those things I wanted to check. And I looked, and in one day, I had 45 people, or one week, excuse me, I had 45 people unfollow me, and I was like, wow. I was like, that's a lot of people to unfollow me in one week. Like, what, what would I have said that was that offensive? So I looked at the day that the majority of people did, and I really have no idea why so many people unfollowed me. It's fine. I'm not offended by it or anything like that, but I'm like, really? I mean, you're just going to unfollow me completely because you disagree with a singular thing I said in regards to a denominational belief or lack thereof. So please don't count me out or rule me out just because I said something that you've never heard before. With that being said, my long fancy introduction there, what is today's topic on specifically? It is going to be on this concept of God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. If you have been in the church for any more than 20 seconds, you have heard this phrase before. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. So before you, again, block me right now, I do believe that God loves you and I do believe that he has a wonderful plan for your life. We are going to go into why I do not like when I hear people say it, though. First question is, where do we get such a phrase from? Did we just take it from thin air or did we get it from somewhere in scripture? Well, 
People get that phrase, both of those, from Scripture. So I want to go to that Scripture right now. You've heard it before. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to quote specifically in the New International Version, which I do not read. But I'm going to quote it in that version because that's how we get what context that I just referred to in. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That is what the NIV says. I'm not going to make this a whole podcast on difference in translations of the Bible all in English because I think that half of you would probably fall asleep because you probably would just get bored with it. And second off, because that's just not the point of this podcast. But in very short terms, um, there are three types of Bible translations. There's word for word, which means... To step back for a second, the Bible was written originally in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Hebrew for the Old Testament, a little bit of Aramaic, and then Greek and Aramaic for the New Testament. It's been translated from that into English. And there are three types of English translations. Word for word, meaning they took the exact word in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic and translated it into the exact same word in English. There are line for line translations, which means they keep the same sentence. The words in the sentence are the exact same, but they restructure the sentence so that it flows better. That is called a line for line. And then there's this thought for thought or idea for idea translation of the Bible. And that means they take a general passage and then rephrase the whole thing for the general passage to sound um, as, as flowing as it can, as, as smooth as it can. And they completely take words out and add words so that it flows that way. And then there's versions like the Passion Translation or the Message Translation, which are not translations at all. They are more so fun novels to read but no theologian considers either of those two translations of the bible real translations again don't get mad at me i didn't come up with any of the stuff i just said i'm just telling you what other people say so what are word for word line for line and thought for thoughts well word for word are like nasb and the asv line for line are like esv kjv and nkjv and then idea for idea or thought for thought are like the nlt and the niv those are the most popular in all of those three categories that I just mentioned. Um, RSV would be under um, word for word as well, I believe. So stick to the first two, word by word and line by line. Yeah, you know, you can read any of those versions and you'll be fine. But understand for your daily reading, for your like growing and learning, for I really, per- really urge you to read the first two translations, line for line or word for word. If you read the ESV, KJV, NKJV, NASB or ASV or RSV, you are good to go. Those are all incredible translations of the Bible. There are plenty more that I did not name that are very great translations. So again, don't stone me because I didn't name a translation that you read. The CSB is another great one. The um, I can't think of any other. HCSB, that was the other one I was thinking of. The HCSB is another great translation. Um, but yeah, I, I strongly discourage the NIV. Um, as well as the NLT for your daily reading. Again, you can read them as a supplement to your reading. I just ask that you would rather not read them as a substitute for your reading. Because it's rephrased so dramatically. Yeah, it's very, very heavily rephrased. What was the point in me going into that big rant? Well, the purpose is, is in Jeremiah 29, 11, in the NIV, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to help you and not to harm you. Now I'm going to read it in a word-for-word translation like the NASB. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Well, you might be thinking, well, that sounded not terribly different. And you're right. It's, it's going to say the same general concept because it's still in the same Bible and the same verse. But there's quite a few differences. You know, first off, the first line is the same. For I know the plans for I have for you, declares the Lord. One says plans... 
not or plans for your welfare and not for your calamity, plans for a future and a hope. That's what the NASB says. The NIV says, I know the plans for I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to help you and not to harm harm you. The one in the NIV mentions this concept of prosperity, plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. Does God want you to prosper is the question that I kind of want to pose here. Yes, of course he wants you to prosper. What does prosperity look like? Well, um, any of you who are familiar with Living Waters Ministry has heard me quote multiple things from the man Ray Comfort, who I am a huge fan of. Uh, He has a book called God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life. (laughs) And on the cover is a picture from the Renaissance times of many Pharisees throwing stones at Stephen's head in Acts 7 as he gets martyred and put to death. Interesting. And the title of the book is God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life. How ironic. Yes, we do think that that's ironic because we think that that's not a wonderful, prosperous plan for your life. I will tell you emphatically, Stephen had one of the most prosperous lives out of anyone I've ever seen in the Bible. Paul, in chains, had one of the most prosperous lives. Jesus, death on a cross, had one of the most prosperous, well, he had the most prosperous life out of anyone in Scripture. Elijah. Elijah had a very prosperous life. up in the sky, boom, didn't even have to die. That's right. His is awfully convenient. That would be a lot easier (laughs) if all of our lives got to go that way, but they don't. So, yes, Jesus wants to have you prosper, but prosper does not mean you getting an extra 50 bucks on your paycheck next week. It doesn't mean you getting to drive a Bentley someday. It doesn't mean you getting three extra bedrooms in the next house that you move into. Can God do any of those things? Of course he can. God could do way crazier than those things. But the word prosper in and of itself does not mean that. There's this extremely damning belief called the prosperity gospel. Again, we'll get to that probably in another episode. I don't have enough time in this episode to go through that. (laughs) But the point that I'm trying to make here is God does want you to prosper, but prosper does not look how we often think it does. It doesn't look like you getting your dream job. It doesn't look like you uh, having a, a, a marriage even one day or having kids one day, could those be that thing? Yes, it could. So what be. does it mean, Cody? That's the million so dollar question. That's the million dollar question, isn't it? I'm not going to get to that yet. Oh, We're going to get there in a minute. <laughs> so I want to mention one more thing in regards to this whole, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What is my issue with it? Well, in an applicable sense, this is, this is the, the, the context in which it's used. I'm walking up to this guy on the side of the road and I say, hey man, I just want to let you know that God loves you, bro, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. To me as a Christian, Cody went hearing this sitting in my seat right now. I go, you know what? That's exactly right. God does love him and does, he does have a wonderful plan for his life. Here's what non-believer Joe listening to me saying this heard. The connotation. Yes. Huge, huge difference between what I heard and he heard. You know God loves you, right? They're going to think, wow, really? See, I love me. That's kind of cool. And he goes, did you know that God has a wonderful plan for your life? And they go, oh, no way. I have a wonderful plan for my life. God loves me and has a, why would I not follow this Jesus? Who would never want to follow this Jesus? He has a, he loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. I love me and have a wonderful plan for my life. This is going to be a match made in heaven, right? Wrong. Why is it wrong? Because the belief that he has in love and wonderful plan is radically different than Jesus' plan for him in love and plan. Jesus' love and plan is not his plan. Jesus' plan is for him to love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations. To give up his life so that he can live the life that Christ has called him to live. 
That is what Jesus has called him to do. That is what this wonderful plan is. The wonderful plan for you and everybody else on this planet is for you to radically live sold out for the gospel's sake and you to give your whole entire life to making his name known across the nations. That is God's will. That is God's wonderful plan for your life. God's wonderful plan for your life is not your plan for your life. If you're sitting here going, you know what? I, I know what I want to do with my life. I think I just want to be like Instagram famous. The I too. It's, That's exactly it's what that it is. I, those I statements, they're really crucial. It's not about you. Every, it's not about you. None of this is about you. You are not the center of God's story. You are not the apple of his eye. God is the apple of his own eye. God is the center of his own story. Did you know in the David and Goliath story, you're not David? People get really offended by that for whatever reason. You're not David. Don't be offended by it. That's actually really good news. Here's why. David is God. David is Jesus. The Goliath is death, sin, hell, and the grave. And Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave. Who are you in this story? You're one of the people shaking in their boots that are in the army behind <laughs> David who are too scared to take on the demon himself. But why is that good news? Because David conquered death for all of us. That means that you don't have to try to do it yourself because you couldn't do it yourself even if you tried. This is good news that while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love for us in this that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. This is good news. That's really good. We shouldn't be angry at that. We should be thankful for that, right? It's important that we understand that we are part of God's story. He is not part of ours. We are part of his story. He is the main character of his own story for the purpose of bringing glory to himself for his own namesake because he deserves it. We are simple, humble servants of the Most High God, serving Him and loving Him and honoring and glorifying Him in any way we can. If God tells us that we're going to spend the rest of our life in the bush in Africa honoring and glorifying His name, then that's exactly what we do. If God tells us to work in a Fortune 500 company, make six figures a year so that we can provide a bunch of money to help free kids from slavery, then that's what we do. God tells us to start our own business, that's what we do. God tells us to work for a nonprofit for the rest of our lives. That's what we do. God tells you to be a janitor like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what you're going to do. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We are serving an audience of one. With that being said, I'm not going to go into this big thing on God told me to do this or that. I'm, we're going to save that for a very different time. But in its rawest form, God has a single purpose for your life. That's to love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations. That is what we're all called to do. And when you preach the gospel to somebody and it sounds like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life without any context, just like the last two um, episodes that we had in this same series, it's the exact same thing that applies. You need to give people context and understanding of what they mean or what you mean when you say that. People who don't grow up in church and even many, many, many people who do grow up in church do not understand the biblical gospel more times than not. You're going, well, Cody, how so? There's a church on every street corner. How could not everybody know the biblical gospel? And you know what? That's a great question. I wish everybody did know the biblical gospel. There is zero excuse in America why somebody would not know the full biblical gospel, considering that there's a church on every church or a, a church on every street corner. I mean, in the town that I grew up in, it has three stoplights. There's, I think I counted seven, anywhere from seven to 10 churches in that town. That is ridiculous numbers. One of them was the one that I went to and it was the biggest church in the town by far and it had over 600 people in it. But the other ones had anywhere from 80 to 300 people in their churches. Are you kidding me? I mean, let me, let me just do the math real quick on what that would be. So let's, let's assume that it's an average of 200 members per church. 
times 10 churches plus uh you know we're gonna have the 600 for the church that i went to that's 2600 people who all were in that city or in, in my very tiny village who knew the gospel of jesus christ I think that my town at most probably had 15,000 people. And if that, I mean, I don't know. This could be way off. It could be way less than that for all I know. It's probably way less than that. <laughs> so either way, either way, let's let's assume that it's 15,000. 15,000 people that hear the gospel from 2,600 people. That means that every single person in the town would have to preach the gospel to 5.7 people. Why is it that everybody in the town that I grew up in didn't, give their lives to Jesus, or at least know the full biblical gospel. There's a serious issue knowing that one person out of, like each of those individuals were supposed to preach the gospel to six people. I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn. I preached the gospel to more than six people last week. The biblical gospel to more than six people last week. If I could do it last week, how many, how much more for people over a whole 20 year span it is mind-boggling to me that this is such a problem in America. But since it is, we need to even more so be bold about proclaiming the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. Which takes me to my next point. What is the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ? You probably heard me say it once. You'll probably hear me say it again. If you roll your eyes at somebody who preaches the gospel or presents biblical truth to you more than once, I would really urge you to check your heart. We should never say, oh, I've already heard that before. Are you kidding me? Every single time I hear the gospel, I freak out. I get <laughs> yeah. so amped up. I mean, I've, I've said the exact same phrases hundreds or thousands of times. And every single time I think I get more excited. Here's the gospel. God is going to judge you by his moral standard one day. And it's called the Ten Commandments. And he's going to ask, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Lust is adultery. Hatred is murder. And those who blaspheme the name of God deserve to spend eternity apart from him one day. God is a judge in his courtroom and we are guilty criminals that stand before him who deserve prison without parole called the lake of fire. And God being rich in mercy showed his love for us in this that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. God sent his only begotten son to live the life morally that you couldn't live. He died the death that you deserve to die and he rose again defeating death, hell, and the grave so that if you would repent and put your faith in Christ, you could be saved from the hell that you deserve. So God's a judge, we're guilty criminals, just in a normal, like in a normal court of law. If somebody comes in and pays your fine, you can be let out of that courtroom guilt-free because justice has been served because of the fine that was paid for you. Jesus did that with his life's blood on the cross 2,000 years ago. When he cried out, it is finished, he said the debt has been paid. Jesus walks in that courtroom and he pays your fine for you with his life's blood on the cross so that you don't have to spend eternity apart from the Father. That's really, really good news. We share that gospel with people and then after that, you tell them, God loves you so much and he has such a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan is for you to honor and glorify him all the days of your life and give up your life so that you can live the life that he has called you to live. God's just asking you to give up something you never created to be, to live for all the fullness of what he has for you. If you preach that gospel to somebody and you add that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life on there, I don't mind that at all because you gave it to them in context of his love for you and his wonderful plan for your life. So make sure that when you are saying things like these cliches that we often hear, that you make sure that you do it in a biblical context so that people know what the good news of the gospel is. That is going to be it for this one, guys. We thank you so much for listening. As always, if you didn't smash the subscribe button the first time I asked you, I, I just have a question. Why do you hate me? Yeah, why do you? Why? You just don't love me, do you?
Yeah, you just don't want to give us five <laughs> stars. No. Right. I'm just kidding. If you could, though, if you could smash that subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a kind little review, um, that would be much yeah. appreciated and for us. And if you guys also have any topics you guys are just curious, we'll definitely take any deep consideration. Yeah, DM me on Instagram, Cody C. Wynn. If you want to check out the YouTube channel, we post there every single day. We're not posting here. We post here Monday, or Mondays and Fridays, excuse me. And Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays is the YouTube channel. So subscribe there and you will receive information on those topics every day that we're not posting here. CodyCWin.com is where you can find all of the information for anything that is done by me. Um, so CodyCWin.com or you can go to my Instagram at CodyCWin, C-O-D-Y-C-W-I-N-N. Uh, dot com. So that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will come back in a few days with the next part of this series. Love you guys. Thank you.